we're, we're talking about worshiping in unity, and uh, I just want to talk to you uh, for uh, maybe a week or two here about the object of our affection uh, that, that, that we worship. We're going to worship with a renewed and a different focus uh, than, than we've worshiped in the past. We've had wonderful worship in this house, and it's always been anointed, and it's always been blessed, but God is taking us to a new place in our experience in worship. So I want to talk to you a little bit about the object of our affection, and then I want to talk to you about how we prepare our hearts for worship. So that's where we're going the next uh, few uh, times of discussion, and then we're going to move on uh, in, uh, in this process of worshiping together, working together, and warring together in unity, and we're going to talk about uh, uh, all of those things as, as the weeks progress. So right now, worshiping in unity. I want you to uh, uh, turn, you can turn to Matthew uh, chapter 6 and verse 10. Uh, I'm just going to go through some scriptures here uh, quickly. I'm used to them coming up on the screen. You're used to them coming up on the screen, so uh, they're not going to do that today. Maybe they are. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, we'll, we'll just worry about that uh, technical difficulties later. Matthew 6 and 10 is when Jesus was teaching the disciples to pray. And one of the, uh, one of the uh, most powerful things that he said that we don't have um, the full understanding of uh, God is revealing greater, in greater measure the understanding of this statement. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. What does that have to do with worship? Well, there is a particular form and fashion of worship that is in heaven, and it is supposed to be mirrored on earth. We're supposed to be worshiping here the way that worship takes place in the throne room around the throne of God. So our worship here should be reflective of the worship that is there. I want you to just grab that for a minute, and I want you to think about that, because, because uh, Laura and I were talking this morning, I, we were listening to some worship music from, uh, if you follow uh, worship uh, through the years, then you know that in the years that I was leading worship, the uh, worship songs were coming out of a, a ministry called Integrity Music. And uh, the worship song, most of the worship that we did came from integrity music. And we sang uh, songs that were focused on who God is. What was that song we were singing this morning? Um, let, me, let me remember. Yeah. Lord, you are more precious than silver. Lord, you are more costly than gold. Lord, you are more beautiful than diamonds. Nothing I desire compares with you. And then we sang this morning on the way to church, You are beautiful beyond description. Too marvelous for words, too wonderful for comprehension, like nothing ever seen or heard. Who can grasp 
your infinite wisdom who can fathom the depths of your love you are beautiful beyond description majesty enthroned above and then that song goes i stand i stand in awe of you i stand i stand in awe of you holy god to whom all praise is due I stand in awe of you. Now, I'm not, I'm not going to condemn the progression that worship has taken through the years, but worship went from this in awe of him to, Lord, I need something from you. Now, listen, I, I'm not condemning that. I think that's a work of the Spirit that we get into his presence and we realize that in his presence is fullness of joy and at his right hand there are pleasures evermore. That we realize that, that it, one of the things, I've told you this, I'm going to tell you again, one of the things that the Lord really corrected me for in recent days is, Anthony, you came into my presence and you worshipped me, but you left unchanged. It didn't grow you up. It didn't challenge you. To become like me. Now, that's just me. Maybe he's not saying that to you. I'm not putting that on you. I'm saying I received that correction. So, but the reality of it is when we come into his presence, we are changed by being in his presence. If we allow ourselves to be changed, we're changed by virtue of the fact that we're in his presence. Just by virtue of the fact that you're in his presence, change should come. But we set our focus upon the change that we needed and we begin to, and, and worship began to take this bend to where we were focusing on us and what we needed from him and what we desired from him. You're supposed to ask him for what you need. You're supposed to speak to him what you desire. So none of that is wrong. Please don't misunderstand me. You should desire deliverance and freedom and blessing and anointing from the Lord. But absence of worship that produces the attention on the object of our, of our affection, none of that can happen. Unless our worship turns to the place that he is the object of our affection and we're able to come in and cast our care on him and not worry about our stuff, worry about worshiping him and glorifying him and bringing him the glory that is due his name, that unless our worship bends back to that, none of the deliverance comes and, and takes effect and takes permanent change in our lives. We just keep coming back and needing him again. We always need him. But here's what happened in that environment of worship when it's taken to an extreme instead of moving back into balance, into the kind of worship that it needs to be. We begin to worship the God who created us. Uh, we begin to worship, uh, or we need to be, uh, we begin to worship the God that we created in our own image, the God that we created in our image, rather than worshiping the God who created us in his image. We begin to worship a God that looks like we want him to look. 
When the driving force of our worship is our need, we begin to frame God to be who we need him to be rather than who he says he is. Finally said that right. We must worship the God who created us in his image rather than worshiping the God that we've framed in our image or in our understanding of who we need him to be so that we get what we want. Is that a maturing word? So I just want to challenge you that where God is taking us is back to the place that we worship in a unity that acknowledges the object of our affection, him, king of kings and lord of lords, and that sees him for who he is right now. For who he is right now. And I'm going to give you some reading to do in the scriptures for when we're together again next before we're done today because I want you to prepare your heart for the conversation that he's taking us to. But Psalm 16 and 11 says, In his presence is fullness of joy, and at his right hands are pleasure evermore. Today was a good example, a good example, just scratch the surface, but a good example of the kind of worship that we want to do. We came in and we celebrated and we praised and we rejoiced and we jumped around and acted like fools. Praise God. That's rejoicing. The Bible says that David did that and his, his wife got offended at it because he danced in the streets for Jesus. Yes, for Jesus, King of kings and Lord of lords. He just, he was looking ahead to the cross. We're looking back. So he was still worshiping the same God we worship. Jesus did, just hadn't been revealed yet. So we come in and we, we enter his courts with praise. That's appropriate. That's biblical pattern. And then we move to worship where all of our worship was focused on the object of our affection. Everything that we sang in that portion of time was on the object of our affection. We didn't ask God to do one thing for us. And what did God do? He did for us. He began to bring deliverance and healing. We didn't have to ask for that. We just honored who he is. And he responded to that honor with deliverance with freedom, with prophetic expression. So that time of laying on of hands and of deliverance was God's response to us acknowledging the object of our affection. And that's just the pattern. That he's just showing us that. It's far less about the words you sing or say as it is about the object of worship. He is Lord. See, and the problem with the pattern of worship that we've had, that, that unless it matures, we get to come into his presence and enjoy the, the good feeling of his presence, but we still get to be Lord of our lives. Oh, man, I'm preaching deep right here. the move that has happened in 
in Christianity, in our culture, because we're a mile wide and an inch deep in terms of, oh, Jesus, help me. We're a mile wide and an inch deep in terms of our understanding of who God is. So we get to come in and we get to worship. He's so faithful. He loves you so much. You come in and you worship him. He's going to pour out his presence in your midst. And he does. And then we feel the Holy Ghost goosebumps or whatever that is, that great anointing. But if we leave and we're still Lord of our lives, all we've had is an emotional experience in the presence of the Lord. We've soothed our soul. The Bible says that he restores our soul. There's a difference. If you look in the Old Testament, when, when King Saul was uh, demon-possessed and, and oppressed of the devil, and, and God had withdrawn his spirit from him, and he was trying to kill David, and the enemy was through him trying to destroy the future of the throne... Well, Saul would get so agitated and, the, and his advisors wouldn't know what to do with him. So they said, I know what we'll do. We'll bring in a guy who knows how to worship the God of Israel. And the Bible says that Saul was soothed in the presence of God. And many times I realize that I have been soothed in his presence, but left unchanged. So Saul was soothed in his presence, and he felt better. And he was like, ooh, that was a good time in the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. And two days later, within 48 hours, where's David? I want to kill him. I hate that guy. Okay. So God wants to bring us to the place, not that we are soothed in his presence, but that we are restored in his presence. What happened today was a work of restoration of the soul in the presence of God. I love that he gives us an example in our experience. The other thing is the reason that we want to begin to focus in a fresh way on the object of our, our affection and the reason we're going to talk about who he is right now, who he is right now. It is so important that you understand that the Jesus who became flesh and dwelt among us, who came in the likeness of men, he who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, that he ain't that guy. That's terrible English. Leroy, I know you're watching. That's terrible English. <laughs> He's not described as that meek and lowly He's still all of those attributes and those characteristics. He's kind, he's loving, he's gentle, he's all of those things. His yoke is still easy, his burden is still, all those things are true of him. But boy, if you look in the word and you see who he is, he is our conquering king. And he's fighting our battles. He's our conquering king. So we've got to see him as he is. Because the reality of it is, I told you last week or week before, the scripture says, as he is, so are we in the world. If you don't see him as he is, you can't be him in the earth. You have to see him to be like him. 1 John 3, 2. 
need to memorize this passage, and I don't know why we only read this at funerals. Because it's not a funeral scripture, essentially. Now, listen, now we are the sons of God. Everybody say what now means. Now. Not in the sweet by and by, now. We are sons of God. We do not know what we shall be when he's finished with us. We do not know what we shall be, but we do know this. When he appears, when we see him, we will be like him because we will see him as he is. It is important that in worship you see him as he is. Not as you want him to be, Not, not as you want. It's so interesting to me that sometimes I want the Lord to just come put his arms around me and love on me and he wants to swap me a good one. Because I want him to be what I want him to be instead of me being what he knows he needs to be to me for me to actually be changed into his image. He's going to change us into his image. And he's not going to wait till we're dead to do it. So listen, we will worship the God who created us in his image. We will no longer worship the God we created in our image. We'll also understand, um, do I have time for one more little revelation here? I received a revelation when Linda Vu passed away. I, I really received a revelation from God because when I was preparing for her memorial service, the Lord said, this. He said, when, when Linda came into my presence, she walked into a room she had been many times before. And I'm thinking, we, we always think about going into his presence and, oh my God, when I get in the presence of God, what's going to happen? You know, Well, if you're used to being there, then it's not going to be an unusual experience. He said, when she walked in the room, she realized that she had been there before. She knew exactly where her seat was. She had sat in it many times in intercession and in prayer. She had worshiped from that place. She had picked up her guitar and sat there and worshiped from that place countless times throughout her life. She walked into a room she was familiar with. How many of you, when you leave this earth, you'd like to walk into a room you're familiar with? That's where the Ephesians 2.6 says, we are seated with him in heavenly places. Mana, you've been an intercessor. When you go into that room one day, not too soon, we hope, you got to keep those walnuts coming, girl. (laughs) But when you go into that room, you're going to have been there before, and you're going to realize, oh, this is, I've been hanging out here. This is where I've been hanging out. When we worship, that's where we want to worship from. We want to worship. We want to be hanging out in his presence, right? So I had a great revelation of that, that when I leave the earth, I want to have already been there so many times that I'm, that I'm just right where I've always been and where I'm supposed to be. Because in reality, saints of God, that's more real than this. You all walk in here, you, you sit down in the same seat you've been sitting in, To the point that sometimes I just want to say, all right, everybody over here, move over here, and everybody over here, move over here. 
because we're creatures of habit. But if you make a habit of being in his presence, you're going to get a revelation of being in his presence. And when you walk into that room in eternity, you're going to go, oh, this is where I've been hanging out. Ephesians 2, 6, we're seated together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So here's what I want to give you. Get, get your notepad or your phone, your, open your recorder or something so you can hear this later. We're going to talk about various places in Scripture where we have glimpses of him as he is. Revelation chapter 1, verse 12 through 18 Revelation chapter 4, John's vision of the throne room. And Isaiah 6, very brief encounter there that's described by Isaiah of his throne room experience. And those are just three of the places. Go into Ezekiel and you'll get some more. I want to challenge you that you decide today that you're going to let your worship experience become far more about who he is than anything you think you need. You've got to learn. And when we talk about how to prepare for his presence, we'll talk about some of this. You have got to learn, I have got to learn to cast my care on him. I was standing here today as we worshiped the Lord and we were coming into that portion of time, Rachel, where we were singing to the Lord and acknowledging who he is. And my mind was running through an appointment that I have coming up. And what I would like to discuss with this person that we have an appointment with, making sure I don't forget to talk about something or mention something we need to questions we need to ask or whatever. And all of a sudden, I said, wait a minute, this is the, an inappropriate time for this discussion in my mind. Soul, shut up. I'm acknowledging who he is. And I just begin to whisper, Lord, I see you. Lord, I see you. I see your face. I see your glory. I see you. And I acknowledge you. And all of a sudden, all of those thoughts that were plaguing my mind with something I'd like to accomplish later today, came under submission to the leadership of the spirit man and my soul shut up. And you can learn to do that. Soul, shut up. I'm busy with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords right now. Just shut up. You ever tell yourself to shut up? Maybe we ought to tell ourselves to shut up a little more. So I said, soul, be quiet. I'm worshiping right now. I'm acknowledging who he is. 